For 35 years, the globally renowned Atlantic Acting School has been a catalyst for aspiring acting professionals, empowering them to turn their dreams into reality. Distinguished as the sole conservative program worldwide offering comprehensive training in practical aesthetics, unveiled in a practical handbook for the actor, they are dedicated to instilling technical proficiency, creative prowess, and personal resilience in their students. Beyond the classroom, they foster a lifelong community that propels success long after graduation. Whether enrolling in the full-time and evening conservatories, NYU Tisch Studio, part-time classes tailored for adults, or the after-school and summer programs designed for kids and teens, the immersive, learn-by-doing approach lies at the core of an Atlantic acting school education. Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, Backstage Senior Editor and Professional Entertainment Obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. I never didn't play gay parts if they came up in the theater or in, or in movies. I, ne I never was like, well, I don't want people to see that inside of me. In fact, that was a way to express that part of myself when I couldn't really do it in real life. I think it's keeping that sense of, we could do this at any time. We could create playfulness right now. That's the word that has, without a doubt, been the key ingredient to my work. Welcome to another new episode of In the Envelope, the actor's podcast. I am your host, Backstage Senior Editor, Vinny Mancuso, and I am thrilled to say that joining us today for an in-depth chat about acting craft is none other than Andrew Scott. Yes, the hot priest as the internet and many of you probably have lovingly dubbed him thanks to his role in Fleabag Season 2. Uh, but Andrew's had a long, incredible career outside of Fleabag uh, from his early award-winning days doing theater in Dublin to his star-making turn as Moriarty across from Benedict Cumberbatch in BBC's Sherlock, the James Bond films, Black Mirror, Sam Mendes' 1917, all the way up to his latest project, the incredible All of Us Strangers, which has already earned Andrew nominations at the Indie Spirit Awards, the Golden Globes, and the Gotham Awards. Who knows what the future will hold. In All of Us Strangers, which was directed by Andrew Hay, Andrew plays a lonely writer named Adam, who strikes up a tender romance with the only person in his apartment building, a man named Harry, played, of course, by Paul Mescal. And at night, Adam spends time at his childhood home with his parents, despite the fact that they died 30 years ago. Why and how they are back from the dead, uh, you must simply watch the film. His parents, of course, played by Claire Foy and Jamie Bell. Everyone in this film is incredible. It is literally and figuratively such a haunting, haunting story. Uh, and Andrew in particular is so great, so subtle and moving in this movie. 
and he was so candid here uh, talking about not only this performance but the approach to acting that informs all of his performances from the very beginning that's a wonderful wonderful chat let's get right into it here is andrew scott Andrew, how's it going? Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Likewise. Uh, I can imagine your your schedule has gotten a bit busy recently. Uh, you're our... Uh... It's, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> we will make this as painless as possible. Oh, no, 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 please. <laughs> you are our first, for now, post-strike episode. And, you know, we had really? a great time. We had a wonderful time talking to a lot of stage actors during the strike. And we, I love talking to stage actors because... God, acting for the stage is so fascinating. But I'm so excited to talk about a movie, a film, on-camera acting. Yes, right. But I also am so excited to have you here, not only because All of Us Strangers is uh, gorgeous, so rich, so heartbreaking. You really broke my heart with this one, Andrew. But it's also, um, I've just been sort of going back through you talking about acting through the ages, and you always struck me as someone who takes the act very seriously, but at the same time, just sort of not take everything around Acting, yeah, seriously. yeah. Uh, is that sort of still your your ethos? Is that sort of how you, you you're still approaching this 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 thing, acting? Yeah, I just I, I've never really believed in high art and low art, so, so to speak. I think there's good art and bad art, certainly. Mm-hmm. But I think the stuff that really affects us is not the stuff that we find inaccessible. I think accessibility is important, not just to reach you know as wide an audience as possible. I don't think that should be the ultimate game. But playfulness has always been very important to me. And um, keeping things light is, I think, is what human beings do. And we're in the business of representing what human beings are like. And I think for the most part, people, even when they're, and sometimes even particularly when they're um, going through um, despair, look for the light in order to survive. Um, So I think that's kind of what I don't want to be too lofty when talking about about the work. Um, But that doesn't mean that I don't think that the work has enormous um, importance in my life. In fact, I think it's really saved me acting. So it's so much part of me now that uh, I think that's maybe why I can wear wear it lightly. Is, you know, that idea of, of acting, being about playfulness, uh, leaving yourself open, you know, not thinking too much about the process. Is there a way, do you think, to cultivate that idea? Or would you would you lose something in the trying to keep it playful? Well, you know what? I, I always think it's really interesting when you forget a line on stage and it's a, like the actor's worst, worst nightmare that you might freeze and dry and forget a line. But actually what happens in when you forget a line on stage is that the audience don't turn against you. Actually, what, what happens is that there's an incredible free song within the auditorium. And I think they're reminded that this is a a game of some some description and actually rather than them thinking oh they've forgotten a line i think they are reminded that you've learned all the other ones mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and so the sort of imperfection of performances i think sometimes is really important to maintain to keep the the grit and the the stitch marks and all that kind of stuff so i like the idea that um that you can make mistakes and be bad because that's what playfulness is uh is is a kind of a lack of fear about getting it wrong 
because if you if there's no wrong then you can do anything and you go i'm going to try this i'm going to try that rather than i think some of the most boring acting that we can see is where people are going i have to do it this way and actually you're not listening and as any good actor will tell you that's the key to good acting is being alive and present because that's what the audience really sees particularly when the the camera's so close i was i was going to ask you about that you know how that sort of translates to on-camera acting you know where you know part of the goal is getting the quote-unquote right take moving on from a bad take and also not wasting not wasting but not spending too much time on one thing because there is a movie to make and you're not going to get to do that take again like you would in theater mm. um how do you keep that alive like you said when you know you're only getting a few shots at the at the take a difficult thing to do i think one of the things i i love about the theater again is that if you get it wrong you have another opportunity and you keep going in right until the closing night and you think oh god um so one of the things I I feel like I've adapted as a sort of an idea of just I'm going to give you lots of different options and you have to trust that the director is going to choose the um the the take that or takes that you like and sometimes they really don't and sometimes they're right not to sometimes you think oh god that's terrible I'm never going to work again if they use that and but I I would prefer to do something my mother is an, an an art teacher and uh, when she was teaching art she would say you know draw a line a strong line start with a strong line don't start with little tiny cautious little lines and don't always rub out a good drawer never rubs out she says because even if we see 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 your mistakes it actually sometimes makes it more um, attractive to look at i started acting when i was young and i think that maybe maybe helps and i didn't train formally and um I also think that helps because I don't have a, I don't feel like I have a, you know, I think in drama school, sometimes you go in and you're surrounded by usually young people, you know, 20 year olds who are all, you know, at the same stage of their careers as you are. And I'm not sure that I think that could promote a certain type of competitiveness within the industry. And actually you're never in, very rarely are you in a, in a company, in a movie or where everybody's in, a, is, you know, exactly the same age as you. And the wonderful thing I love about being an actor is that you make friends with people who are in their 80s and from diff different socioeconomic backgrounds, depending on what the story is. I love the variety of that. You you have, you know, you've spoken for about how you are essentially training lists. You know, your, your, your training was acting and, and your, your drama school was doing plays and stuff like that. Yeah. Is there, is there, when you look back on, on where you are now, is there things you have accumulated that I guess add up to what you do? Or is that, again, part of the playfulness of just like, look, this is the role, this is who I'm working with. Does it really depend on, on the role itself? Or have you accumulated something that you would call your training, even if it's not training? Yeah, yeah. I definitely, there's things that I think I have within my arsenal or things that I've just learned over the years. I don't think you can make a great film out of a mediocre script. I just don't think it happens. It very rarely happens. So even if you have a, the bones of a script that you improvise around, I think that's maybe slightly different. I think you can make something beautiful then. But for the most part, I think having that real singularity in the script makes for a singular film. So I look, I always look, and I think, you know, sometimes in the first two pages, um, if a script is going to be special or not, if it's going to, if it's going to have, if it has movie speak in it, you go, oh God, here we go. But if somebody, if the sentence, the construction of a sentence is unique, and it reflects the way, the extraordinary way that human beings speak, then I think, oh, wow, I want to be able to say that line. And I'm sure that's a muscle that has 
been grown from reading scripts and scripts and scripts that uh yeah yeah that are the opposite speaking of like what draws you to something i was just kind of you know after watching all of us strangers just going through like the roles you're you know maybe the most known for you know there's, there's all the strangers now fleabag even in some sort of weird way uh you roll in sherlock i see a lot of through line of sort of playing characters that have to deal with love but tinge with something darker or sadder mm-hmm. i'm curious you know what that through line means to you you know what is what is it about this sort of love but in a in a in a darker way that's really drawing you to these characters you know i really i feel like all stories are love stories it's something that i really do believe and i don't know some of the stuff that i don't really respond to is where everything's sort of relentlessly positive because i think we only understand love because we experience the opposite fear or loneliness or despair you know so i don't I suppose I do think about that every time I do a project. I think about who does this person love and are they concealing that love or do they, are they longing for love or what's the most vulnerable part of them? I think vulnerability is something I definitely look for in every single character. And the reason I think I look for it in every single character is because I think every single human being in the world is vulnerable by the very fact that we don't know for sure what's going to happen to us when we die. So there's something vulnerable in every human being. So somebody who can't express vulnerability, let's I'm thinking of Donald Trump. And the reason I think he's got mental health issues is because he isn't able to express any vulnerability. He has to say, I'm the big this and I'm the big, and I'd be very interested to ask him what he thinks is going to happen when he dies. And if he would admit to the fact that he might actually die, (laughs) you know, that sort of stuff I find really fascinating in playing those kind of those characters who, who, um, who find it really difficult to express their, their vulnerability and, and without judge, without judging the characters, you know, to be able to say, well, why, why can't they, why do they have to sort of big themselves up or why do they, why are they pompous or are they selfish or why are they cold or why are they rude? If particularly with those characters or why are they villainous? What is it about them? Even if you don't get to express it, that you might be able to feel that would be the first question is where's their Achilles Achilles heel for, for me as an actor you've just to keep it in my back pocket and whether that's expressed or not uh, it's there and that's the, I think that's a through line for everything that I would l- look at and I, I do love as one of the reasons I really love the character of Adam and all of us strangers is because uh, he's so vulnerable and so open to he's so raw and tender and shy and gentle and um, you know there's a part of me certainly that is the same as that. And, um, I, you know, you just go to various, you go to, you go to those places and it's a kind of, it's a great privilege to do that really. Well, we'll get you on the docket to play Donald Trump in something. We can figure this yeah. out. For you. I think that might be the go-to person. Absolutely. Well, the campaign starts here. Um, <laughs> so much of the vulnerability, you mentioned the vulnerability of Adam in all of his strangers. And I think so much of that, uh, in your performance comes from looking and listening it's in the eyes of the character. So mm-hmm. I am curious as as the actor in this, and you've mentioned the sort of strangeness of doing this in front of a camera. What is your, I don't want to say approach process, but like when, when the shot is camera on you and you're looking at something, something with love, something with expressing vulnerability through a look or a listen, how do you approach that? Because it's, it's saying so much without saying anything at all. So I'm curious if there's anything you do or think to do things like that. Well, the, the two things that I think are the most important thing for an actor to have for me are, is, is a, a imagination and a sense of humor. 
And actually, I was kind of struck looking at the film the other night, I saw for the first time after the strike, you know, with a, with a, a big group of people. And I did think, wow, I'm really unaware of the stuff that I found kind of, uh, I suppose, exposing in some way where I looked really vulnerable or really sad. I wasn't really aware of, um, act, of acting, so to speak. I feel mm-hmm. like I've always been able in some ways to, to use my imagination. I feel like it's a big tool for me. It's quite weird. I recently uh, um, did a play on the West End, uh, in the West End stage, and it was a very immersive play where I, I we did we did um, a version of Uncle Vanya, except I played eight characters, I played all the characters, all the roles, yeah, all the roles, and so there was no p- part of it where I left the stage and went on for two hours and played all the characters, and it was inc- incredibly immersive, and I was just going using my imagination, and I was in the middle of it, and it was about an hour and a half in into talking, and I was really involved, and the stage manager suddenly came onto the stage. Um, because somebody had had a heart attack in the auditorium and they were Jeez. fine. They just needed, they just needed to leave the auditorium and that turned out that they were, they were okay. But as he came in onto the stage with this, this Britney Spears mic uh, attached to his ear, I screamed. I mean, I literally shouted because I'd never, number one, because it was a one man play, I'd never seen anybody on the stage. But number two, because I was so, I realized I was so immersed in this, in this, um, in this play. I, it was so embarrassing, actually. I was like, and I, and I, they said, please leave the stage. And so the, for the first time ever, I, they said, Andrew, you have to go into the wings for a few minutes. And I was in the wings and I realized that, that spell had been really broken. And I realized that, that I don't know, I, I think maybe I sometimes underestimate how, um, involving acting can be, particularly in the theater, because you're going right from the beginning of the story to the end and the jarring nature of that and how like frightened I was when, when it was, when you were out of that spell. It's like waking up a sleepwalker. It's Absolutely. That's yeah. exactly what it felt like. It felt like a, a, I really did feel like it was a fever dream during the play. And so that kind of feeling of using your imagination is something that I've really always had and, and something that I don't, I'm kind of, I've always been a bit reluctant to um, move away from, you know, with training and all that kind of stuff or, know, hard and fast rules about acting. I, I always avoid those because I don't think they're the priority. So I try to protect my imagination as much as possible. And, you know, when you were mentioning lightness, I think that's sense of humor. I think that's, I think that's the way human beings are. To have a sense of humor is a uniquely human uh, attribute. I mean, as much as I love my dog and how he's fun, but he's not able to go, this is absurd. Mm-hmm. Not able to make a joke in some way, in the same way that a human being. So it's, that's why I think it's important to have a sense of humor because our job is to represent what it's like to be a human beings and human beings have a sense of humor. And that's why I think all my favorite actors are able to play all those notes. You mentioned watching the film and, you know, seeing moments where you're like, Oh, I do look, I do look really vulnerable. You know, this is sort of those, those idiosyncrasies that you didn't even realize that you were those, those micro expressions that you, you're not even trying to do, but there they are on screen. Yeah. Um, I was reading a review, I think it was IndieWire, of all of us strangers that mentions your, um, your, your and this is the quote, your crushingly gentle smile, right. um, which is, it's a part of the role, but it's also a part of your stage presence and your screen presence in general. Is there a way to, that you have found that to take stock of these, these idiosyncrasies that sort of, that are part of your toolbox, but also just part of who you are? Or is that, or do you just have to kind of accept that they will be a part of your performance? Yeah, I think you slightly do. 
Uh, sorry to hark on about the theatre again. No, please. It's 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 where it all came from. <laughs> it's, it's, it's where it all comes from, and it really relates to, in some ways, to screen acting. The reason that I think theatre acting, you learn so much from it, is because you're so free. Theatre acting is one of the only art forms where you don't see the product of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You never see it. You see it through the, you imagine it through the audience's eyes. So when you paint a picture, you see, you see the, the painting. When you read, write a book, you see the, when you make a film, you can watch the film. And I remember when uh, I played Hamlet and they recorded it and they put it on television. I thought, okay, well, let's see what this is like. And I was absolutely <laughs> horrified. I mean, I was so horrified by it. And um, you make it to the end. No, I, 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 in fact, I left the house. I left the, after 15 minutes. I thought, no, I left the house and I went for a walk and I thought I'm not going even back into that house until that is not on the screen anymore because it was so mortifying because it just wasn't the way I kind of wanted it to be. But that's not to say I don't watch any of this stuff, but I, I think you kind of have to, it's a really difficult thing to, I always try to, you know, for people who, my friends who aren't actors, I always so to say to them, it's like, you know, when you listen to your voice on someone's voicemail and it horrifies you, you think, I don't sound like that. Or, or a podcast. Or, right, right. <laughs> there you go. And you think, God, do I sound like that? It's like, yeah. and you, we listen to, to ourselves and look at ourselves in a way that no, nobody else does. So I've learned to be a little kinder about that. Um, although I do still have moments of, I think the first time you watch a film, you're looking at it, you know, you're white knuckling it. And you think, oh my God, please no. And then you just have to accept that it is what it is. So, so much of um, just to just to sort of get into all of us strangers a little bit more specifically, so much of it is built on this kind of small cast and the way you relate to each other. It's Paul Mescal, but also Claire Foy and Jamie Bell in different ways, obviously. We've got a lot of different interesting answers on this podcast when we ask actors about uh, chemistry mm. and where it comes from. Is it a thing? Does it exist? Is it just a byproduct of good acting? Is it a byproduct of a good script? So I put it to you. How do you sort of gauge and explore the idea of chemistry? Fascinating thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing is it's kind of uh, unspeakable. It's it's unspeakable and it's not always sexual chemistry, you know. There's a kind of few things I'm thinking about because I know that there are some actors who really don't get on well that have fantastic chemistry. Um, but so for example, with Paul and I, we have terrific chemistry as people, which makes the process really easy. Mm-hmm. And because I love him and he loves me, we find it easier to work together and act together and be, you know, look after each other. But the audience isn't required to be to believe that me and Paul have uh, chemistry. Actually, the chemistry that exists between Harry and Adam, our characters, is completely different. Paul's character is very forward-fronted. Is that the word? Yes. yes. Um, and my character is very shy and gentle and vulnerable. And and I don't think we're as extreme as that. I mean, we have different, the, the dynamic is just different. So that's actually, sometimes I feel like chemistry is like a thing that you don't have to work on. And actually there's a great skill involved in creating chemistry because we have to create the chemistry for the characters. So what's it like to be shy and to trip up over a sentence or to stop breathing when you're kissing somebody because you haven't kissed somebody in a while? That is a chemistry that exists. That's very tentative and uh, interesting to look at possibly, but it's still a skill. It's still still, um, created. And uh, 
again, it's that other thing about listening. You know, I think, I think that's very important. I think what you get to say is very important again, because you could put a really genuinely brilliant actor into a mediocre, schlocky script, and they would be a bad actor. And you'd light them in weird soap opera lighting and you go, oh, I perceive that person completely differently because you can't, it's, you don't act on your own. You act with other people and you act in an environment and you, you say different types of words. So it's a whole machine of different things that, that, that are your colleagues in a way as an, as an actor, I think. It's a miracle that anything works at all. You know, when you, when you think about the the factors and the, the pe- how many people are involved in making a movie and making a single scene work. And you, you mentioned the lighting can change it. The writing can change it. Now the editing is um, unbelievably important. Absolutely. You mentioned the sort of, th- this film has a lot of uh, finding character through, through intimacy, through, through physical contact. I, I, I think I saw that there's, um, there's an intimacy coordinator mm. on the film, uh, Lucy Fennell. I'm curious about your, your experience working. It's a relatively new position. And, you know, we talked to a lot of people who have worked with intimacy coordinators and it, it almost sounds like it opens up the ability to to do that playfulness that you were you were saying. You know, it was sort of setting yeah. the parameters so you can work in between them. So I'm curious how that how that impacted the way that you went about this. Well, it's wonderful to have those parameters, and I think it's wonderful that and sort of extraordinary that we didn't have them have them before, because you feel like I've agreed to this, mm-hmm. and this is a person that I can talk to at all times. But I think it's also important to say that it's something Andrew Haig said, actually, which is, you know, a th- very big thing is built around when you have to get your clothes off and it's a sex scene and it could be a clothes set. And sometimes it's built up so much that actually you're, you're remembering that you actually have, there's, a, there's, there's communication within the, within the sex. It's like, what are they saying physically um, to each other? And that's really important to have a framework. And then you sort of, we were able to sort of, physically improvise around it. But actually, I think this film, for me, talking about physicality, uh, it feels like a very tactile film for me. And maybe it's not particularly clear watching it, but I felt of it, I felt like there was a real physical challenge in this, in this part. And the challenge was how do you behave like a child mm-hmm. and go to that childish place without doing a kind of, I don't know, unsubtle, I don't know, just, just gilding the lily somewhat. Sketch comedy. Um, yeah, exactly. Sketch comedy. But there's an awful lot of touching. I feel like children are able to touch their parents and have a physicality when they want their parents to, to be quiet. They, their, their hand over their parents' mouth when they don't want to hear it. Or, you know, they, they have a relationship with their, you know, their parents, the smell of their father's sweater and their parents' bedroom and all that kind of stuff is really physical. And I always wanted to be sort of, there's a scene I have with Claire in the bed where I just wanted to be sort of smaller than her, yeah. and lower than her. And and as the film progresses, I kind of, as Adam has sort of opened up, opens himself up sort of within his attitude towards his own sexuality and being more sexually free, it actually, and as he's getting to know his his parents in a more deep, deep way, actually the physicality for him really, really increases. And there's something about in the story where he, he confronts his parents in order to allow himself to be loved finally. So he's looked after by his parents. And then when they show him love, he's then able to show Harry love. And then you see him being the person who is hugging Harry. So it's physicality to me is incredibly 
important, but it doesn't just exist in, in, in sex scenes. And I love that the film, the sensuality of the film, the, the tactile nature of the, of the film is, is a um, motive of the play. I, I'm glad that that just, that, that sort of remains on a low key way, but it certainly was very important for me. I did want to ask you, and I think you just briefly touched on this about a specific scene from all the strangers that, uh, that really affected me. And I, I just, I just kind of want to go through the filming of it to sort of figure out how a performance this real comes up to screen. It is between you and Jamie Bell, yeah. um, as your father asking if he can hug you now, because he did not when mm. your character is a kid, um, yeah. your reaction is, is, is very, it's, it just feels very real. It, it feel it feels real in a way that, that really makes movies magic. So in filming this, you know, what is the, with the right before they say action, what is the getting into it? What is the, the finding this, the space to, to have that reaction? Um, yeah. I, I guess I'm basically asking, uh, how, how, uh, you all did that. <laughs> I think that's why I, 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 you go to the script first, mm-hmm. because when you're reading the script, you're actually acting it for the first time in your imagination. You're sort of rehearsing it in your head. You go, I want, I want to say that. And then it's, as you're walking to the tube station, you're, it's, you're thinking about that scene as you're learning the lines and you're going, oh, wow, it could be this, could be that, it could be this. You don't really know what's going to happen, but you're like, it might be that, I, it might be this. And so you're kind of collating all the possibilities of what the scene is as you're getting to know it. And then you're suddenly in the, in the scene and you're in the 1980s house. And as you know, we shot in Andrew's childhood home. And yeah. That requires a huge amount of vulnerability again and generosity on Andrew's behalf. And so I felt like my job was to sort of be as authentic as that gesture was and to sort of not try and not to act. And there's certainly elements of my own, I suppose, pain or going back to that place where I felt so vulnerable or unseen by by my own parents when I was young, even, you know, nothing to do with their, not through any fault of theirs, but just because I was harboring something that they didn't know about. And uh you know, mercifully, I feel very comfortable with myself, but it doesn't, as Adam says in the, in the screenplay, it doesn't take much to bring you back there. And uh, something like this, um, I don't know, I just felt like I knew how to play that scene. And it's, I think Jamie did too. And um, he recognized it. I think it's sort of wonderful that Jamie, when we first got to know Jamie as an actor, he was a child actor. And I think it's, I think so much of, again, chemistry. And I think there's great chemistry between all the characters. I think I felt I had great chemistry with Jamie and I felt I had great chemistry with Claire too. And, and I think sometimes that's down to the fact that you really want to play the part. I think some of the, some of the most miserable sets I've been on, I've been where some of the actors haven't actually wanted to be there or had doubts about being there. And Jamie really, I think really wanted to play this fatherly part. He think he he knew how to play it again with Claire, and so in that in that cir- circumstance, it was just easy. Again, a theatrical idea is, you know, in the theatre, if you play multiple characters, it's readily accepted by the audience. And in, in movies and screen work, we think that perhaps we might need to put a sort of nuclear glow around around the parents to sort of signify that they're not really here. There was none of that. It was just your imagination again, and like there was no point where I thought this is weird. And actually you don't really, to be honest, you don't really know that that's not going to be, that's going to, you're going to pull that off until mm-hmm. you, you're out there in the day. And there was no point at any point did I think these people are too young. I thought this is ridiculous. I didn't think it at all. I just, I just believed it. And I think everybody else did. 
because that's our job as actors is to is to dive in there and to to keep your imagination alive it's it's really potent the imagination and that's what i that's i suppose the place that i go to before one of those big scenes and and you're just i just helped enormously by the the um authenticity of the script he says why didn't you come into my room dad when you heard me crying and the father says i didn't come into your room because i think i would have been one of those boys in your class who would have bullied you too being wow it's so brutal but it's also completely loving because he's telling them they're it's an you know an exercise in telling each other the truth and sometimes the truth truth hurts and like i said that is that that scene really <laughs> really truly like i watched yeah. this film less than 24 hours ago um right. and it really is it's it's something that that i could dive into for a while because there's just there's so much to pull from which i assume is, yeah. is something you agree with and you have you did mention the sort of the unique challenges of theater and the unique challenges of on-camera acting this is always something that i'm i'm curious about specifically with on-camera acting and it's 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 a bit it's kind of a follow-up to what we were talking about is 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 really just believing in the moment what's happening in front of you but there is a camera there's a crew there's there's mm -hmm. and especially because so much of all of us strangers is in close-up so it's not only a camera it's a camera right there yeah how do you specifically and again if the answer is I don't know, or the answer is I just do it. That's okay. Mm. How does that get sort of put aside? How does how does the surrounding technicalities of it, not just you know, yeah. the fact that you're acting, this, the, the logistics of being on a set, be put aside? I think the reason it's challenging is because your imagination is interrupted constantly. Mm -hmm. So when you're in when you're in the theater, <laughs> uh, you, you're told you're telling the story from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. The audience are sitting in the dark. You've got complete focus. It's like it's wonderful. It's like when we watch sit at home and we watch Netflix and we turn off all the lights. It's because we just want to be told a story like children. That's exactly what it is. When you're on a movie set, you're doing that, and then they go, "Okay, we've got to stop now because there's a plane," or "Oh, we've got there's a noise here," or you know, we um, we have to reload the camera. Or so your mm -hmm. your imagination is kind of constantly being interrupted, and that's the thing that I find a little bit a little difficult. Sometimes you want to. I I, I always find it quite helpful sometimes when you go, "Could I get a run of it?" Where I get three takes in a row. So you're not thinking about the technicality or you're not thinking about rejigging re re the light. Sometimes I think as an actor, you've got to call for that time a little bit and go, because remember, this is this should be the priority here. So I'm going to ask if I could do three takes in a row. So we're not thinking about all the other technical aspects of, of, of making a film that can sometimes take over and actually really impede the performance. And I think that's unwise because at the end of the day that's the thing that the audience are looking at and sometimes it can be a, a real focus if not an obsession with what what the lighting might be or or the surrounding things which of course is important but it's not uh, frankly as important in storytelling wise and certainly in our film and some of the other technical aspects of it and um, so uh, i think sometimes you've got to be a little bit not ferocious but you've got to say i really need this i really mm. need that i've really learned i think somebody to just say this is going to be a big day. You know, if you're doing a scene like that heartbreaking scene where you, you're required to really go to a really vulnerable place in order to serve the audience that we can't see yet. So it's not, I think sometimes actors find that a little bit embarrassing because they think, oh my God, am I being demanding? But you've got to think of the audience. You've got to think we're doing this for them. So I think we've got to just everybody turn off the music and the shouting and because people forget when and rightly you know joy through work when you're setting up the scene 
And when you're setting up the scene for that heartbreaking uh, father-son scene, you don't need to be sad. So mm -hmm. of course, but then it's just sometimes just asking for the, once you're on the set to, to um, that you're there to create an, an atmosphere from the story. And um, that's um, sometimes a difficult thing to do, particularly if you come from a, you know, a, a Catholic background like I do, where you're like a, you know, a people pleaser and it's all about community and not standing out. Yeah, <laughs> No, it's that thing where you're like, oh, you know, you know, don't stand out. Like, you know, be, you know, just get in line. And you know, to be an artist, and one of the things I find difficult about that actually is to sort of stand up and and sort of be singular and to say this is what I need. And but I've learned that there's a way to do that with still maintaining your kindness and your humanity and just quietly and calmly asking for what you need. Well, as we sort of you know sort of come to an end here, I, I am curious. You 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 did start acting or at least got into acting at a very young age. I, I think, yeah. you know, you, you had acting class at, at Anne Kavanaugh's Young People Theatre all the way back in the day. But you also, you know, talk now about getting to that sort of area of playfulness that that the child actors do have. So I'm curious if there's something you learned very early that has sort of stuck, um, that has not changed, has not, has not you know, molded at all. The, the, the thing that has been a through line from when you first got interested in acting to all the way through all of us strangers and beyond that's an amazing question um not a lot has changed i think and i think i've tried to hold on to that actually i think i i think i have a almost parental protection of that because that's up to me to advocate for myself as to what i need and sometimes when those big scary books like how to act or you know whatever they're called you know those big you know written by very brilliant people um, or, you know, learning technical, technical stuff or method acting or all the different types of things that people tell you, this is how you succeed as an actor. And I'm like, well, I have to hold on to what I need. So lightness, as you, we talked about, uh, you know, early in our conversation is really important to me because I, I like to be able to sort of dive off the cliff without feeling burdened by too much seriousness. And I don't, by seriousness, I don't mean I don't mean that everything I'm doing is like funny and frothy. I just mean that my emotions, and I think that's why becoming an authentic person and being very accepting of myself allows me to become a better actor because all that I'm not ashamed of different parts of myself. So if you're trying to conceal a part of yourself, then I'm going to play completely the opposite of it. And um, when you're accepting with all, all parts of yourself, like sometimes you do when you're a kid and then you go into adolescence and, you go, and that bit is the bit that I want to conceal. And so then you go, well, it was interesting, like early on in, in my, I never didn't play, even when I was not very comfortable with myself, I never didn't play kind of gay parts if they came up in the theater or on, on, in movies. I, ne I never was like, well, I don't want people to see that inside of me. In fact, that was a way to, um, to express that part of myself when I couldn't really do it in real life. So um, I think it's just keeping that, that sense of, um, we could do this at any time. We could start, we could create playfulness right now if we wanted to. And uh, that's the word that has, without a doubt, been the key ingredient to my work and hopefully will continue, which is you play a part, keep your playfulness going. It's not, it doesn't mean that you can't play really serious and dark, despairing notes, but you're still playing notes. That's really beautiful. And I think that's the perfect place to wrap this up with a bow. Uh, Andrew, again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Really, real great pleasure talking to you too. 
Absolutely. Um, and all of us strangers, again, hate me like a ton of bricks. I'm sure <laughs> we'll, uh, others will feel the same. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, as always, to our brilliant producer, Jamie Muffet, and to the whole team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. 100% free, you simply cannot beat that. For more exclusive content, find us on Facebook and Twitter, at In The Envelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who should we interview next? Let us know. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another peek in the envelope.